Hey, it's our West of Everest OU postgame podcast coming at you a little bit later than usual this week. I am Lee Benson, and joining me as always, a man who undoubtedly ripped 20 to 30 Vegas bombs after OU escaped Manhattan with a win on Saturday night. Of course, I'm talking about Grant Benson. What's up, Grant? You literally saw me right after the game, and I was, I think, holding a a, a half-empty water bottle, and that was it. I drove home after that. Not home, but... Drove back to Wichita. So Lee is lying. I did not do that. Uh, Yeah, it's just I'm having a good time trying to figure out what ridiculous thing to accuse you of doing before uh, you telling me that that's definitely something you have not done in each podcast. And I'm enjoying that so far. Um, Here we go. So I will say, yeah, I did. I 100 percent did plan on drinking through that entire game while I was there. But Kansas State does not allow alcohol in the stands. They are designated drinking areas at the bill, as they call it, I guess. Oh, that's huh, that's kind of I'm not going to believe it, but they were <laughs> packed at halftime, and it was impossible to get in to get a drink. Yeah. I don't believe it. Yeah, so Grant and I were both there. <clears throat> Obviously, I was on the field. He was in the stands. It was the first road OU game that him and I have both been to at the same time since 2008 when we were in College Station watching Oklahoma blow out Texas A&M. And, uh, well, maybe uh, us being together was uh, a good omen because Oklahoma beat Kansas State for the first time since 2018 when Alex Grinch was nowhere near Norman. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma finally got that Kansas State monkey off their back. And it was not pretty. It was at some some points, but overall it wasn't pretty. But um, here we go. So... I've only rewatched the first half and a little bit of the third quarter. I know you've gone back through the entire game. You know, here's the thing. When it takes me an hour to watch one quarter because I'm taking so many notes, that's a problem. That means it's going to take me four hours to watch an entire game back. Three to four hours. Because, let's be real, I took a lot of notes from the first half on Oklahoma's defense being out-schemed by Kansas State's offense. And I saw a lot of examples of... Oklahoma's defense being so simplistic and smart offensive coaches by Kansas State seeing that and scheming up ways to get yards. And fortunately, Oklahoma did not give up any big plays in the first half and really only one big play on defense. And that was what, in the third quarter, late third quarter, when they had gotten a couple touchdown lead, but then gave up a big play over the top. So even though Kansas State was able to out-scheme OU a lot offensively, it wasn't for gigantic 50, 60 yard plays like we saw a season ago. So Oklahoma was able to limit the, you know, the points and was able to get off the field and force, a, you know, at least one timely turnover. But uh, yeah, so my thoughts, a lot of like my detailed thoughts will be from the first half. I know you have a lot more thoughts on the game a- as a whole, but let's start here with the offense because Spencer Rattler was the big story last week. The fans calling for Caleb Williams against West Virginia He got booed. We weren't a big fan of the way Rattler had kind of handled things before the game, the way he was talking and kind of the way he, uh, let's candidly say it, he he kind of called out the fans a little bit before the game about, hey, you know, people don't know what they're seeing. They don't don't know what they're talking about. Uh, And then he played, you know, he played better than people probably thought against West Virginia. It was the entire team more, you know, uh, he didn't play great, but the offensive line didn't play very well. The entire offense needed to play better. And so the thought was, all right, what are they going to do against Kansas State? How are they going to play after getting booed, after getting called for Caleb Williams? 
And Grant, uh, again, I haven't rewatched the entire game, but from what I've seen in the first, you know, I guess three or four drives of Oklahoma, because they didn't have very many drives that game, Rattler looked really good against Kansas State, and uh, the the numbers aren't crazy and flashy like they are, you know, they were with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, but the completion percentage is way up there, and he was once again a ball distributor, kind of a game manager in, in, in ways, but with very limited possessions. Rattler played pretty darn well against Kansas State, and I think that's uh, what you saw as well, correct? I thought Rattler played very well. Um, very obviously his best game of the season thus far. I mean, like, blows that out of the water. By far his best game of the season. Um, and really one of the best performances he's had as a Sooner. Um, he he was excellent. I thought he was I thought he was great when I was in the stands and watching. And and watching it back, I thought he was excellent. You know, there there were some plays that he left out on the field. Uh, there were some touchdown passes that he missed to just wide open guys. But I think I think I'm gonna take this game as evidence that something has gotten through to him for sure. And if that's the case, I have a lot more confidence going forward this season that he's going to be able to see those plays that are right there. I mean, they're right there. I mean, poor Mike Woods should have like 10 touchdowns this year already. Um, but I just, I, I was, um, I came away just really impressed with Spencer Rattler. And I, you know, we, we can talk about some of the great plays he made, uh, that throw to Jaden Hazelwood, that throw to Austin Stogner, uh, the play to step up to, uh, to evade the oncoming rusher and then deliver the, the really good throw to Mike Woods in the end zone. Um, but the thing that impressed me by far the most about Rattler on Saturday, Lee, was his poise. He was really poised. And um, you were you were there, you were on the field, you were in that stadium. It was loud there, man. They were into it. They were into it. And, uh, I mean, when Skylar Thompson stepped out on the field, that place erupted. That was, I, I'm not going to say it's the loudest I've ever like heard a state, because I've obviously I've been in louder, but, I mean, that, it, Definitely. I mean, it was uncomfortable with how loud it was in there when he was when he was there. And so uh, and again, just the the limited number of possessions. And when OU kind of needed to have it, Rattler delivered. He really did deliver. And he was uh, he was fired up in that game, too. Uh, when the offense succeeded, you could tell he was really fired up with his, uh, for his teammates. I know on the little shovel pass TD to Jeremiah Hall, he was really animated, and really excited after that. Which is great. I mean, he knew that that was a huge score. He he knew that they needed to answer there, and and they got it done. And so, hey, you know, I I feel like I've been I've been kind of right at the forefront of of criticizing Spencer Rattler, and I think it's been warranted in in, in a lot of the issues. Uh, he was he was great. He was great on Saturday. And if we see if that's the Spencer Rattler that we see the rest of the season, and he builds on that, big things to come for the offense at least. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if this is kind of the beginning and it keeps getting better and better and better, then certainly, yeah, th- that would be great. The thing is, what what I noticed in the game, and I got to, you know, I'll, I'll give an assist to Dusty because before I had a chance to rewatch the game, I talked to Dusty on Sunday night, and he brought up how it looked like Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, they moved the pocket a lot, a lot more in that game than they have previously this season. And so I had that in the back of my mind when I went and watched, uh, you know, the first halfback and these, these, you know, first three or four possessions. And that's what I saw as well, man. I mean, designed rollouts for Rattler moving the pocket, getting him on the run where he is very comfortable. And, uh, you know, Dusty made the, the comment like, you know, Lincoln, you know, why fight it anymore? Let's just go ahead and do it. He likes being on the run. And there was some 
not, not some, I mean, a good amount. And you know, I wish I would have counted each one of them. But so far, I mean, I've probably seen at least five or six plays that are designed rollouts, designed moving the pocket, getting Rattler in space, letting him just kind of, you know, cutting the field in half, which, you know, there's a time for that. And there's a time that I'm not a big fan of that. But it, it worked out pretty much every single time against Kansas State. And what that does, I think, is that it simplifies things for Spencer Rattler. It makes it to where it's more of like a one-read type play. And it's something that you'd see more for first-year quarterbacks, not a guy like who's got a year under his belt that we all kind of thought would be the Heisman favorite and could be the number one pick of the draft. It's almost like they've gone back to the basics in a way with Spencer Rattler and also are playing to his strength, which Lincoln Riley always does that with his quarterbacks. He plays to their strengths, and maybe he hasn't quite – been doing that as much this year, and he's maybe he's been fighting it. But here, maybe he thought, okay, this is how we're going to get Spencer comfortable. And what I saw is that, yeah, they moved the pocket a lot, but also the offensive line played a lot better. There were pockets for him, and whenever he was not rolling out, he looked a lot more comfortable in the pocket in that game. Did he not, Grant? He looked a lot more. Uh, he looked a lot more similar. What I didn't see. What I didn't see, and I. Mean, I, I I didn't see it this at all. I didn't see the the drift to his left and throw off of his back foot. I didn't see that once on Saturday. And so far, I haven't um, seen it either. And yeah, I mean, maybe you can... Yeah, and, and maybe that a lot of that does have to do with just sort of the game design and the play script and fine. I mean, whatever it takes, that's fine. He That stuff that you talk about where you kind of want him to sit in the pocket and scan the entire field, he's capable of that. We've seen it. We saw it last year a lot of the times. Um, maybe this is one of those situations where it's just like, hey, yeah, of course... Heisman favorite coming into the season, definitely disappointed that maybe he's to the point where they do have to simplify things a little bit, get him out of the pocket, not doing those things that we saw last year. But also at the same time, maybe at this point we should just sort of accept, all right, that's where we are right now this season. They're still 5-0. and That game script was, it seemed, you know, a little more limited than usual, but he looked really effective. And, I, you know... I really liked the step that he that that he took, and maybe if if that's what it's going to take to get him into the uh, to a rhythm, get him into a groove, do what you got to do, do what you got to do to 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 put him in the best position to succeed. Um, don't don't call your offense based off of what you wish he could do. Yeah, and after the game, Lincoln Riley said that Rattler was awesome, and he said that you know there's been times you know where he's played like that through stages this season, but he said, of course, you know, that was the most complete game he's played. And that's, that's obvious. And you said that earlier, that that was the best game he's played this year. That was the most consistent he has played. And, you know, I, I hate to, because it's all anecdotal. There's no way to ever prove this, but I mean, here's the thing. He got a rude awakening last week against West Virginia and he was surprised and everybody was surprised and everyone got on their high horse and got really mad at all the fans. But maybe that got through to him. Maybe that did something. Because that was the best he's looked all year. And what did I say afterwards? What did you say a lot? You don't like it. Prove that those fans are dumb. That they don't know what they're talking about. That they're wrong. And Spencer Rattler did basically that on Saturday. He looked really good. And if that lights a fire, and if that's the end result, if, you know, yeah, if he if he gets through kind of the whole crap, man, they were booing me. He doesn't feel great about it. If the end result is that lights a fire under his tail to say, screw you guys. I'm a way better than that. I'm going to prove it. Great. Make us look stupid. We that's I don't I don't think there's anyone who was booing on, you know, two Saturdays ago 
who wouldn't love to look stupid for doing that. I think everyone would would really love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause, and I would guarantee you that, you know, a lot of, because I'm not going to say every single one of them, because let's be real, not every single person that is in the stands and is a student section is going to sit down and. Every single, every single one, one. All of them. I was, was going to say is not, you know, a lot of those people are going to, you know, have watched the Kansas State game and say, man, Spencer played played really well and played really good. Man, that, that, that's not the same guy we saw against West Virginia. Now, there's going to be some of them that are going to look at the box score and see that only he threw for 240 yards and he threw that pick that ended up being a, a, you know, effectively a punt. And they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He's still looking – he's about the same as West Virginia. And that's whatever. That's, that's every fan base has those guys. But I, there's going to be people that will have watched that game or be like, okay, yeah, like that was different. That was better. And if it continues to improve, great. Uh, I will say, though, after the game, he, you know, the whole thing about how that he doesn't care, you know, we don't we don't pay attention to that stuff. <laughs> uh, he um, he <laughs> I'm trying to think like the best way to put this. So he was asked about how, you know, like being on the road and uh, like, you know, hearing the cheers from the Sooners fans and things like that. And Rattler said something to the effect of, oh, well, the, the fans here, you know, the. Uh, they weren't the students at the game. You know, the fans here were the real fans. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, Spencer. Okay. Yeah. You think it doesn't bother him? Of course it bothered him. Of course it bothered him. And you know what? I think it probably helped him play better. It probably helped him focus more because we're all human. And that's what happens whenever the chips are down, unless you're a complete and utter loser and you let something like that get to you and you just go into the tank. Spencer Rattler's not that guy. It clearly bothered him. And whatever they did, whether it's, you know, Lincoln Riley was asked about, you know, what specifically he did to help out Spencer this week to maybe help him play. And Riley downplays like, yeah, you know, like Spencer played really well. Like, you know, whatever I did, whatever, you know, like he he downplayed his impact on it. And he's the head coach. He has lots of impact, but he handed it over to Spencer. He said Spencer played really well. And that's he's capable of doing that. He's a really good player. And he is a really good player. And that was the first time all season long that he has looked as comfortable as he looked for the majority of 2020, in my opinion, and it was great to see. And and we we briefly touched on this in the last podcast uh, in front of a full a full crowd. And you talked about it a moment ago. I mean, a real loud environment. He had never experienced that before as a starter. And he and he uh, he backed I mean, it up. That was a that was a legit road environment. That was a tough place to play. Um, I mean, the the students got there. I mean, the student section was full 90 minutes before kickoff. I think you, I, I think you took a picture and sent it to me. It was like, when's the last time this has happened at an OU game? Like that, that full before before kickoff. Yeah, I did, and I was like, eh, I, I, I will mean, say, I don't know, maybe the Texas Tech game in two thousand eight. That's what I was thinking because yeah, we were there super early all the way back in two thousand eight. But I will say, I, I did get a uh, a fact check on that uh, because we weren't at the game, the Ohio State game in twenty sixteen. Apparently, that was. The, that was pretty full, pretty pretty quick, pretty early for the student section. So, and that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. but seriously, yeah. I mean, and and that just kind of goes back to the the poise. I mean, a guy, and it, it, I felt it when I was in the stadium, and it was just confirmed when I when I rewatched the TV broadcast. Dude was in control the entire game. Was confident. Clearly understood what the game plan was, and I mean, he executed the crap out of it. He did a really good job. Um, just uh, there, there are a few just real big time, big boy throws in that game. Um, that just, I, I, I knew were really impressive in the stands, 
But man, when you go watch watch the TV broadcast and some of the angles, that one, uh, the one that he threw to Stogner on the run, um, that was one that in the stands there was just there was no way that I understood the degree of difficulty on that throw. Uh, but it's I mean it's it's easy to see on TV. And he's he's got a guy barreling down on him, and he kind of he's he he does kind of throw off his back foot, but he throws a freaking rope, a rope to him, and it just hits him right in stride. Um, and that's the you know that's the Spencer Rattler that we all thought we were getting. And man, I'm telling you, there that the plays down the field, they are there, they're there. He's just got to see them. And as soon as he starts seeing those, this offense opens up, baby. I mean, it is it's. As soon as he starts hitting those, this thing is going to start looking like it's supposed to. And I don't, yeah, I, like I told you right before we're before we went on this podcast, I think I'm carrying the positivity banner, man. I'm I was pumped after that game, especially the offense. Why? We'll 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 get to the defense later, who I thought was was particularly bad on Saturday. But uh, the offense, man. I mean, this is that's OU. That's Lincoln Riley's calling card, and that looked like Lincoln Riley's offense to me. There's there's some stuff they need to iron out. Andrew Rain needs to get a lot better on the offensive line. But man, the receivers were great. The downfield blocking was really good. Uh it was just, it was just the offense looked great. Man, they scored on seven of their eight possessions. Uh in the one possession they didn't score on, uh a bogus holding call wiped out, wiped it out from the beginning. And then it was just a it was, you know, whatever. An arm punt at the end that didn't hurt them really at all. So I, I thought I thought the offense was great. Just great. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that throw to Stogner. Uh, that came right at me in the end zone. I was I was shooting down there with the camera, and I didn't get a you know it, it looked fine to me. Like, but when I watched it back on the broadcast, I didn't notice you know at the time how quickly and how fast that blitzer got in his face and how he made that throw because uh, that was a great throw. And, and you know that he had a blitzer right in his face and he put it on on the money right to Austin Stogner. So that was one of his best throws of the day. Uh, obviously, the one late second quarter when he was able to, to fit it into Jaden Hazelwood in that tight window that he probably had no business throwing, but he did. And it worked out. They got him into a chip shot field goal range. Those two, um, uh, let's see. I, those are the two big ones that stand out to me after watching the first two quarters and five minutes. Maybe another one will come up um, as I watch more back. I mean, it was, it was a good throw to Marvin Mims on you know, the biggest play of the day whenever he's – and that was another example of him. He was in the pocket and comfortable. He stepped up in that pocket, didn't bail, had a steady base, and he found Mims on the crosser on the over out over the middle. And it wasn't the leak play. It was just him running a, a mid-range, you know, mid-level crossing route. And he hit him, and it was just past the outstretched arms of the, the, the D-back. And, well, they picked up like 40 yards, like 44 yards on the play, something like that. And that was like, oh, okay, great, cool, a, a big play. Um, and so that was a really nice throw. Let's see, uh, you know, running the ball. How about that? We'll talk about, we'll switch over from Rattler. OU was able to run the football. Kennedy Brooks averaged 6.1 yards per carry. As a team, they only averaged 4.1 uh, against that Kansas State. So in, in a way, I mean, remember I talked about how I thought Oklahoma State actually ran the ball pretty well against Kansas State, even though the, the stats didn't look that good. This is even better. I mean, because the stats are better than Oklahoma State did against Kansas State, and it looked good a lot of the times. Kennedy Brooks had some good chunk runs. Eric Ray had the one chunk run. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, the running game got going, and obviously that helped Rattler out quite a bit as well. Uh, I will say that the one kind of red flag is too strong of a word because Oklahoma was able to find ways, but 
man, their short yardage goal line. I mean, they struggle with that. I mean, they had to go with some trickery all day, it seemed like, to score from, you know, the one-yard line, the two-yard line. Whereas, you know, maybe in the past they could just push people around. It's not really there. I mean, they're they're not getting a whole lot of uh, long touchdowns or 12-yard touchdowns. I mean, I feel like they're getting down, down to like the goal line, and they're, they're struggling to push the ball into the end zone, Grant. Did you get that sense too? Um, I mean, yeah, but maybe not so much in that game. Maybe I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm being like, I'm scarred to think by the here, first the... series where they had, you know, what, first and goal from the one or second and goal from the one, and they ended up kicking a field goal because, you know, I mean, it was a, it was bad luck with uh, the, you know, the Caleb Williams not being able to handle that snap, but yeah, it just. Cause yeah, I mean, the other, the other times they scored on the goal line, it was, you know, I mean, they, they kind of had the, the end around to Jeremiah Hall, which I thought was kind of an odd call. Um, it worked. So that's, that's great. I'm glad it worked. Um, and then, you know, they had, they had the, the shovel pass to Hall and that, that, that play is, if, if they execute that and the timing is right, that play really can't be defended. Um, <laughs> so like, I, I think they, I think they stole that from the chiefs. I've, I've seen Mahomes run that like a ton already this year. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, that Jeremiah Hall end around touchdown or the H back reverse, however you want to call it. It reminded me of the wing T from our high school days. <laughs> like, I feel like it was like a wing T play. And we were from Minnesota. Man, so many schools ran the wing T. I wonder if that's still a thing. I wonder if there's a bunch of teams running the wing T in Minnesota in 2021. I hope not. What a dumb offense. It was like 19, 1967, if that. No, nothing. Got nothing to add there? Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't pay attention to Minnesota high school football these days. When I do, I mean, I know Eden Prairie, who is always the huge uh, power in the state, they still run it, oh, yeah, or whatever they ran. They they still run like the, the stupid stuff. But okay. also, they haven't won in a long time, so maybe they're just kind of getting lapped. Whatever, we'll skip this. Nobody cares. <laughs> all right, so that's all I got. The running backs, uh, you know, maybe it was a game flow thing. Eric Gray only had what four carries. I. I think, and this is just my my hypothesis right now. I think Kennedy Brooks. I mean, we all know his vision is great. I think his vision is better than than, than Eric Ray's. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. Maybe it was a situation where that you know hot hand. You know, Kennedy's getting more carries. Not like he got fifty carries. It was still only what like Brooks got like twelve carries or something or sixteen or fourteen. Four, okay, <laughs> right. fourteen for ninety one. Uh, so good game by him. Uh, so far, so good through five games. Those guys. Glad everyone's being healthy. Everyone's good. Now, I mean, they're mixing Jeremiah Hall in a couple times running the ball. And I was saying this to you before the podcast, the whole super positive talk about the walk-on guys, Knowles and Hudson, it clearly was just, come on. It's what we all kind of figured. After after Gray and Brooks, it's probably going to be Jeremiah Hall. And Jeremiah Hall's gotten, what, like three or four carries uh, and in meaningful action, Knowles and Hudson have not been on the field. So, uh, yeah, not anticipating those guys to get any sort of. Real I mean, if they work. get like I'm, like I'm sure if they ever get up by like twenty plus points in the in in the second half against an FBS opponent, we'll see them. Oh yeah, but oh, yeah, of course. You know, I mean, there was no especially and especially in these last two games where there just haven't been that many possessions. Like I mean, it's yeah. I mean, oh, you had. Only, oh, you only had the ball three times in the first half of that game, um, and that, and that's the fault of the defense. Ben, we'll we'll, we'll get to that, but um, I mean that's crazy. You got to think just like in a normal game, they're gonna they're usually gonna have twelve to thirteen possessions. 
Um, and only eight. I mean, just think. Just kind of extrapolate that out. Their stats would look much more gaudy with four or five more possessions. Like, don't you think? Yeah, and Riley's kind of used that. I mean, at least he used it last week after the West Virginia game, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has the same kind of feelings after this game. Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, they usually get more possessions. Uh, let's let's kind of clean up anything else with the offense. How about uh, – so Caleb Williams comes in early on in the game. You know, you know it takes his eye off the ball. Snap goes back, whatever. They bring him back in later. He throws a quick swing pass over to Mario Williams for 15, 17 yards, whatever that was. And that's all we see Caleb Williams. I I don't know. I mean, do you think uh, – that's a dumb hypothesis. Or hypothesis. I was going to say a, a dumb uh, – what's the right word? Um hypothetical hypothetical is the right height uh i was gonna say if it's a home game do you think they bring in caleb williams like that (laughs) uh because of what happened last week but i i kind of think no honestly just because it would have like fed into the we want caleb blah blah but like it was perfect for the road and they're they're showing us caleb williams like he's gonna be a thing probably against texas i mean i if if they i mean there'll be game situations where riley and the offense will they'll They'll have him in there. I don't know. Do you have any Caleb Williams thoughts or whatever? What do you think? Um, you know, I don't have a. It, it's one of those things I don't have a problem with as long as you got the right calls in there. As long as it, it, it's actually something that's going to be effective, kind of messing with the defense, because that's why you do it, right? You, you do it to give them something extra to think about. And um, I must. I mean, you know, the the, the one the the one swing pass to uh, to Mario Williams worked out really well. Obviously, the thing at the goal line was 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 a failure, but. You know, I'm I'm okay with it. It's it's like one of those things where just like I'm all for it until it until it is obviously a disaster. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I got gotcha. you. Uh, I guess the last thing is we didn't really talk much about this. Maybe we should have mentioned this in the Rattler thing because again, we're we're praising Spencer Rattler. He played really well. Uh, I'll go back through. I need to watch the entire game, but through the first quarter, two quarters and five minutes, he he looked really good. But I did see one of the last things I saw before I got on this podcast was him. Not seeing Mario Williams wide open on, you know, was, you know, man, man, you know, man covered with no safety help. And that just goes back to, man, like, yeah, those plays are there. And you think, man, how do you not see that? Uh, He ends up throwing a kind of a weak back shoulder throw attempt. But, man, that, like, that's something that he's got to see. He's got to see that stuff. And everything else underneath, it's there. Like, but for whatever reason, he's, his eyes are not seeing things as clearly down the field and he saw it better last season. All I can say is I hope that that's something that he sees on film. And when a similar situation like that comes up later in the year, then that clicks and he sees Mario Williams beat his man and he makes a good throw, but also at the same time, hopefully he doesn't think it will always be there because what if Mario Williams doesn't beat his man and he's covered and he throws up a ball and it gets picked off. But that was a situation where, man, he he had his guy beaten by a couple of steps, and he didn't see it. So, and you said like from your seat in the stands, it was pretty obvious. Oh, I mean, it was right as the ball was snapped. I Williams cooked that guy. I mean, it was he was so wide open. You couldn't. I mean, it was even more stark when you were in the stands, just seeing how much space there was between him and the defensive back. I mean, that that that's just. Throw a ball to the end zone, let him run under. That's that's easy touchdown, and so that's you're right. That's ho- that's hopefully something that you see that he sees and corrects. And, you know, there there was another one. There was another one on um, 
where it, it was a roll. I, I think it was the play where it was a rollout, and then there was a block and release from Hall. Um, and then and then Rattler actually hit Hall for a first down. I think it was on third down. But Mike Woods was was streaking wide open down the sideline. It would have been another touchdown. Um, but yeah, st- stuff like that. It's just, it's there. It's it's right there, and it's really right there, easy to complete. Um, it's just, it's just a matter of him seeing it. And I like I said, because of the steps that he showed that that he took this week compared to last week, I think I, I think there's definitely some good mojo, like and some evidence that he can take that step. And so, I don't know. I I, I feel great. Like I think. Um, you know, after this week, and hey, you know, maybe I'm being a fool here, and maybe I'm setting myself up for for disappointment. But I thought I thought that that Kansas State game was was a really good appetizer to Texas, and I, I think there's a really good chance that that their offense might blow up against Texas. My where people are watching the game, and they're like, oh, oh, crap, that's Oklahoma. There we we didn't get them while they were down in the first half of the season. But you know, I I think there's a decent chance of that happening. Man. That's some hot take stuff there. That'd be good. That'd be good to have happen. Because 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 Texas's defense sucks. So I mean, stuff is going to be there. All right, let's flip the script over to the defense. And uh, so, big thing with the defense is that Skylar Thompson did play. He started and he was out there. And you know, I said on the podcast that I didn't think he was going to play because I didn't think he would be 100 percent healthy. I didn't think he'd be able to move and be able to run around. Uh, but then you made the point like. Even though that might be the case, he's still going to be somebody that can be effective from the pocket throwing the ball. And that's exactly what we saw. We saw a guy that was incredibly effective throwing the football in the pocket, but also a guy like I was kind of half right, couldn't move all that well. He could barely move. And it was pretty obvious from the beginning, uh, being down there on the field, you could tell there was, I mean, there was no extending the plays very much. I mean, he could kind of trot to the left and the right here and there a little bit uh, when he needed to, but there was no design, not one designed run play for Skylar Thompson, which the last two seasons we saw plenty designed run plays for that guy and plenty of scrambles by that guy, but it didn't matter. Oklahoma uh, defensively could not get Kansas state off the field uh, for long stretches of time. And Skylar Thompson just moved the ball down the field, man. And what did you, <laughs> Like the most obvious thing that, that you brought up last week is like, hey, they're going to try to get Deuce Vaughn, what'd you say, like 25 to 35 touches? They got him 25. I said, yeah, I said 25 to 30. 25. They got him 25. 10 catches, 15 carries. Uh, not that difficult to figure out what they were going to do, right? Let's get this guy in space. Let's get the, him in advantageous scenarios. And they did. And Oklahoma's lucky that he didn't really break a big one. Uh, but I did see a moment where they could have broken a big one that Oklahoma was able to avoid. But uh, so the defense, huh, um, let's start with this. It's, 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 it's disconcerting how little the different, the defensive line affected that game. They could not get to Skylar Thompson when he couldn't move very well. And Kansas state's offensive line is good. It's a veteran group, uh, but it's not like they max protected a bunch because they didn't, they usually have their backs go out in routes. It was just. Five guys blocking Oklahoma's front four really well for the entirety of the game, with the exception of a couple of plays. Uh, that is that's concerning to me that they were able to get to a guy with maybe after the first drive, whatever. But like it was very clear he couldn't move. So I don't, I don't know what they could have done differently, but man, like the out scheming 
of Oklahoma's defense. And what have I said a lot this year? Smart offensive coaches will be able to watch Oklahoma's defense and be able to scheme things up. And I saw that a lot in the first half during my rewatch. And uh, I'll find a couple examples while I'll, I'll let you kind of give your first thoughts of the way the defense played. I, it, I mean, it, it was fine. I mean, Alex Grinch, I'll say this before I kick it to you. Alex Grinch was very mad. He was not happy after the game. And I'll try to pull up his his uh, post-game quotes to try to give you some quotes from Alex Grinch. But, man, he, he was not happy. And me reading his quotes isn't going to do it justice. But uh, he was not a happy guy after that game, Grant. Well, I mean, the defense was bad. I mean, what else can you say? They weren't good. Um, and you're right. So I'm not I'm not quite as concerned about the D-line not not impacting the game as much just because they have a track record. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's it, it happens. Sometimes the other team just plays well. Um, and I and I think it I think that's probably the most likely explanation for Saturday is that Kansas State's offensive line probably just played really well uh, for their senior quarterback who they love. And um and OU's defensive line didn't play well. And so, but they have a track record. We've seen those guys. We've seen those guys affect games. Um, they're going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback this year. I don't think this is going to be a trend that continues. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I'm most concerned about, and I think this has to, or, okay, two things, two things. One, with the scheme of what you're talking about, it's definitely concerning. OU's defense is really, really easy to draw stuff up against. Um, really easy to know what they're going to do once you get into a certain formation, especially empty. When when the other team goes empty, there's not a whole lot OU's defense has been able to do to, to confuse anybody. Um, that's a problem. That needs to get cleaned up. I don't know what the solutions are, but they need to make a change. Uh, that That's a problem. And then also, I mean, just the, the linebackers are not very good. They're just, they're not very good. And... Um, I you know I'm confused because in the second half of last season they were they were good to very good, and I you know they've regressed, and that's I mean that's before I even get into pass coverage where they're just woefully inadequate. They just, they have no feel for a zone of what they're doing whatsoever, and then and so and I know after the game Alex Grinch was he even he even straight up said he's like yeah we you know yeah I, I think he said it was when when a team plays zone it's like a free play it's like it's free yards. And then in my head, I'm thinking, like, then why the freak are you calling it, man? <laughs> like, you know, but yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think? I, I just think there's there's a lot like to, um, there's a lot to say about the defense. I mean, they they just didn't they didn't get it done. Um, they weren't quite as terrible as I as I thought they were leaving that stadium. Uh, when I when I rewatched it, they weren't quite as bad. Um, you know. When, when Kansas State lined up and tried to run the ball between the tackles or a conventional run game, they didn't have a lot of success in that game. Um, and that's consistent with what we've seen since the beginning of last year. When a team just tries to kind of line up and run the ball between the tackles, they don't get anywhere on OU's defense. Um, and like I said, I, I, think that, I think that actually is, is a really good news for their game against Texas on Saturday. Um, but man, though, but when and you saw it against K-State... When a team goes empty, it's OU's really, really easy to diagnose and pick apart. Like it's really easy. Yeah, unfortunately, I I uh, don't have the Grinch log. I did it on a different computer, which I don't have access to right now. But he uh, he made a kind of a joke that like uh, the the tape would suggest that we didn't prepare for any quarterback 
this week. Uh, it just like, and he was kind of like, you know, cause that self deprecating thing. Cause that, how bad, you know, how bad they play. Uh, there was another part where we just played it tonight on the news. Um, I found a bite where he said, I, I promise you that tailback is accounted for, but it, you know, we've been doing this for eight, nine, 10 months. And uh, I promise you that tailback is accounted for, but on national TV, it, it certainly looks like uh, they're not coached very well. And that's on me. And we got to get better. So, I mean, like, whenever we're seeing these guys open, like a Deuce Vaughn, and uh, it sounds like it's being – Grinch knows, <laughs> according to him. I'm like, it's just – but uh, whether it's zone coverage or man, uh, and specifically specifically zone coverage, because he made this comment as well, he, he said something like, sometimes it's, it's 10 plus 1 or 9 plus 2. As in, sometimes there's 10 guys all doing their job in zone, but one guy – is not doing his job. And when I heard him say that after the game, I immediately thought back to the play I brought up last week on the podcast in West Virginia where everybody was playing cover two and everyone did their job except for Brian Asamoah where he went to the running back like he was playing man, which then opened up the easy slant route. And so it makes me think, okay, is, is that exactly what Alex Rich is talking about where somehow communication's not there or somebody is trying to make a, a play and you know, just takes just one guy or, or two guys not doing their job and then the entire play breaks down. And my thing is, and this is what he clearly is struggling with, is why is that happening? <laughs> How do you fix that? And that, 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 that's why I am I am concerned about this defense because these are veteran players. And we're seeing breakdowns over and over and over again. And just for example, this is Kansas State's second drive of the game. Just You mentioned how simple Oklahoma's defense is and how I've said before, Smart offensive coaches can scheme up things against this defense. On second down and seven, there was an end around to Malik Knowles. And on this play, Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, speed D, gets upfield, and he misses the tackle. Uh, and then David Ogwebu doesn't properly read the speed of the play, and he comes up short. Pat Fields is the alley player here, but he gets blocked. And then finally, Shane Witter gets to Malik Knowles 15 yards down the field. But this is a situation, though, where Kansas State knows that Oklahoma's defense is going to play man on the outside with its wide receivers a lot of the time. So they use motion to get the wide receiver going to the side of the field where the DBs will be taking themselves out of the play, taking themselves out of the play, I repeat, because they'll be focused on playing man. That's what you do when you play man coverage. And so the receivers will just run up the field running their routes. The D-backs will go with them, taking themselves out of the play. So at that point, you've got a fullback who can block the one free rusher, which in this situation is Pat Fields coming down into the alley. And Malik Knowles has to make one guy miss, which he makes Isaiah Thomas miss, because you're always responsible for one guy when you're the ball carrier. you got to make one guy miss. And he does. And then he's free for an easy 15 yards. And that's an example of Oklahoma's defense being so simple, and you can scheme up an end-around play. Later on, I saw on second down and 10 later in that that drive, Oklahoma's playing cover one, and they do a designed throwback screen to Deuce Vaughn, and there's nobody there to account for him, and he picks up 11 yards in an easy first down. And this is a situation where Kansas State's offensive line puts the linebackers in conflict. The O-line blocks down, does a nice job of slightly making it look like a run play, and then Thompson with the play action gets them to, to, to bite up. And I talk about Deshaun White and Brian Osamoa, and either one of those guys is – supposed to be manned up with Deuce Vaughn. Both of them read step towards the run action, and it gives each of them just no chance at all to work through all the trash to get to the other side of the play. So then there's Deuce Vaughn by himself with two defensive backs blocked because it's man coverage, 
And fortunately for Oklahoma, the sideline there helps out Oklahoma to prevent a, a bigger play. Uh, and, and so, and finally on this drive, the last drive, it's a fourth down play near the goal line. This is uh, the first touchdown for Kansas State. Example of motion totally blowing up Oklahoma's defense. Like we saw motion confuse them last week against West Virginia. And you see two receivers to the boundary side. Brooks is going in motion and Justin Broyles is on him as a nickel. And you start seeing them trying to check the play because the guy's going in motion. He thinks in motion across the formation. But then at the snap, Brooks turns around, goes back the other way. And he Broyles has no chance to catch up to Brooks because he's he's so far back behind the line of scrimmage or back into the backfield thinking he was going to check the play to, to zone or something like that. And Jaden Davis is on the far wide receiver. But once he sees Brooks flash back the other way towards him, it's too late at that point. He can't change direction fast enough. And Kansas State's got a touchdown. So, and just for this, my, my low-level knowledge is why are you even checking coverages near the goal line? If it's man, play man. Don't make it overcomplicated. I find it really interesting. I find it interesting that two of the plays that you chose to highlight there, I mean, were, were good plays for Kansas State because of one, a missed tackle by Isaiah Thomas. You got to make that play. Have to. And then also on the goal line play, I mean, that was more of just Justin Broyles and Jaden Davis not getting it done. I mean, that was like, I, if Broyles could have gotten him if he would have taken a better angle on well, that the play. Reason why, that's just, that's just Broyles not, not being a great well, play. I mean, Broyles saw the guy going in motion, assumed he was going across the entire formation and he was checking the play. So as he was check, trying to check the play, he was getting depth into the backfield as, as a nickelback, which then took him farther away from the line of scrimmage. If it was just straight man coverage and there was no check, he would not have gotten depth into the backfield and he would stay with Brooks. And so when Brooks then stopped and went back the other way, Burroughs would have been closer to the line of scrimmage, which then in turn would have given him a better chance to make that play and cut him off. So that's my thing is, is my question is why is there a check there? Is there always a check? Even if they're down by the goal yes, line? Yes, there is. And I get that. I get always. that. There's checks. I mean, that's the... But even by the goal line... Yeah, I'm not arguing with you. That This is why their defense is so easy to diagnose, because they always check the same thing. And that's, that's why that was a great play at the goal line, because they knew that that motion guy was going to put Oklahoma into conflict. They knew they were going to get an advantageous spot there. Uh, so, yeah. It's just, it's it's far too easy. It is far too easy for a for a smart quarterback to figure out when you got safeties one-on-one with receivers and running backs. And OU allows it. They allow it because of their checking and whatnot. Um, you know, and can't like, yeah, a good you know, a fifth year senior quarterback, a really good coaching staff. Of of course Kansas State is gonna take advantage of that stuff. Huh, yeah, uh, I mean, that that's my main thing is uh you know, I led with the defensive line not getting pressure, and that was a problem. Uh, but I probably should have led with the the poor open field tackling. Uh, that that was bad. But it, it, yeah, that was the biggest problem in the game. That was the biggest problem in the game for sure. And so that's that's kind of my main thoughts. Without the benefit of rewatching the entirety of the game, uh, I just the, the the one positive I'll take from that is that fortunately they weren't able to hit any sort of gigantic massive plays like we saw last year uh, until except. And this is my big. This is my big thing. This is kind of my thing that I sort of want to go off on, um, because right now, I mean, this is this is one of my biggest issues with the coaching staff is not understanding the moment. 
and being situationally awful. And you know, I'm, I'm not the first person who has made this point, but in the stadium, I was losing my mind when this happened because I noticed it right away, and obviously Kansas State noticed it right away. Um, but just going up, they go, they go up 27-10, to 10, and in that situation, Kansas State gets the ball back. OU gets a stop there. Kansas State ain't going to stop them, man. They're, OU's going to score again if OU gets a stop there. And what does OU's defensive staff do? They roll out wholesale changes on the defensive line. They put Jordan Mukes out at corner. What are they doing? There's just not... When you do stuff like that, you are communicating to your team that this is not a high-leverage situation. And it was. That was the game. They could have ended the game on that drive right there. Kansas State knew that, which is why they threw a deep ball to Jordan Mukes right away. They knew they had their chance and they had to take it. Do you think that maybe would have been a little more difficult to do if you put out, I don't know, your, your, the starting members of your secondary, as well as Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomas, and Perry and Winfrey? Do you think Kansas State in that situation would be like, oh, crap, they realize it's a high-leverage situation too? They need to pare down these, these rotations. It's time. It's time. Like, I mean, it, situations like that, and the de- like, I know the defense was out there for a long time when they were actually out there, but OU's offense held on to the ball for a long time, too, in that game. They had plenty of time, plenty of time to catch their breath. It's a situation like that. I just, the defensive substitutions and the rotations in that situation were straight up stupid. Full stop. Not smart. So I wish I had the log because Grinch talked about, uh, you know, it was more for the defensive line, but man, I, his big thing the D line, I don't have, I didn't have as much of a problem with because Co and Grimes were out there, and, and they've been really good this year. So I mean, it's not like it was, I mean, but it's just, it's, it's the urgency. Why don't you put? I mean, it's the biggest defensive series of the game where you can kind of put your th- uh, your, your your foot on their neck. Why isn't Nick Benito out there at least? Put your best player out there at least. I mean, that's frustrating to me. I'm getting a little tired of that. No, I, I get it. I get it, and. Alex Grinch puts a lot of stock into practice. And when you see guys out there that are playing like that, moving forward, because he's telling us it's it's because that they are doing things in practice that are giving them playing time. Uh, there was uh, another, uh, Damond Harmon, number 17, was out playing nickel for a little bit. I, I honestly, if you would have said that guy's name a couple days ago, I would have said who? And I know a lot about the Oklahoma roster, but that's a guy that I, I wasn't even on my radar. And so the, the question then is, is, is Alex Grinch the only coach ever that that really uh, rewards good practice weeks with like playing time like this? All the, because I've never seen wholesale changes on, on any defense in my entire life like this. This is by far the most I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I mean... It's interesting, man. I mean, it hasn't burned him yet. I mean, they're getting a lot, a lot of guys in there. It, it's one of those things where it makes it makes me think either they have a lot there in the secondary because they got to get all these guys playing time, or they don't have as much as they as we thought they did because they're they're trying to find something. Man, that's the first that's the first snap Jordan Mukes has played since Western Carolina, and they moved him to corner. You said he was at corner, so. He was at corner. He was at corner on. He just got dusted on that play in man coverage. Is there any safety help? Um, 
I think it was I, I think it was a robber. I, I'm not I, I'm not I'd have to go back and and watch it again. But no, I mean he was manned up on the dude and he just got freaking Man. burned. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, and it, it just and hey, I'm just I'm I'm telling you, Skylar Thompson and Chris Kleiman or whoever their OC was, they noticed it right away. I can promise you that they're not throwing a deep shot on that play if they don't realize. Oh wow! Some random dude we don't know is out at corner now. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> like of co- of course they're going to take a shot. And and this team, nobody is afraid to go. On, I mean, nobody's afraid of Oklahoma's defense right now. I mean, how many how many times did Kansas State go on fourth down? <laughs> a lot. Uh, and this season, I looked at the numbers. Opposing teams on fourth down against Oklahoma, twelve of nineteen. People have converted like 68% of fourth downs against OU or whatever that percentage is. Uh, that's and great. It's not like it's fourth down and 12 every time. I mean, they're advantageous spots, but I mean, do you think Skylar Thompson was afraid of that Oklahoma defense at that time? No, he wasn't. He couldn't even move. No, of course he wasn't. No, I mean, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, Skylar Thompson may like, may actually be the worst quarterback in the country. I don't know. But against OU, but honestly, no. Skylar Thompson looked good against Stanford too. You know, they were. Um, you know, I I said this. I was texting back and forth with you a lot. Today. I think I think I think Skylar Thompson's pretty clearly the second best quarterback in the Big Twelve. Um, I I mean, and that that does say more about the Big 12's quarterbacks than it does about Skylar Thompson. Um, but you know, Skylar Thompson is good. He knows what he's doing back there. Um. Like they were, they were an empty a lot against Stanford as well when he was healthy. So that's going to be a big part of their offense this year. They're, I, you know, if, if he's healthy and he's going to play, they're going to put the ball, you know, they're going to put the game on his right shoulder quite a bit this year. It seems like. Sure. God, I had something. What was I going to say? OU defense, Skylar Thompson. I had something else I wanted to hit on. Oh man, I hate. I mean, you gotta if you're Key Lawrence, man. Uh, Skylar Thompson makes one mistake in the game. That's it. That's what I was gonna hit on. I, I just, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand that. Uh, later in the game, too, uh, somebody else dropped one that he should have caught. It was a little more difficult than Key Lawrence's, but somebody else dropped the pick. Jaden Davis. Yeah, Jaden Davis. It was. I was far. It was Jaden Davis, but that was they. It was. Um, oh, you got lucky. That was Pi on Davis that they missed. Okay. Yeah. So he had his. Uh, he he had his he had his hand he 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 uh, he had his hand on the guy's jersey and then pulled it and that's how he he used that uh, leverage to uh, pull okay. himself in front of. So the basically, play. what uh, was Trey Brown was flagged for last year against I believe was that in the Texas game? I think that might have been against Texas. Yes. And uh, yes, but actually, Davis's was much more obvious. Say that, here's the thing though, as as uh, down on the defensive backs as we've been, like you don't see a whole lot of grabby, tuggy, horrible technique anymore that was like trey brown's thing and i that's why i i think a lot of his stuff was kind of like a that was his his mo i mean he was grabby tuggy pulley maybe that's why Jaden davis got away with that because he hasn't been known to do that and it, he should have caught it <laughs> possibly uh, I, uh, another thing that we haven't touched on um and, and this you know this is making the rounds too on on the message boards and stuff and i think it, it, it has merit for sure Jaden davis has been pretty bad this year he hasn't been good really in any any sort of way at all. Jaden Davis? Oh, yes. I, I mean, I don't think any of the corners have played particularly like well, but I don't think any of them have played like bad. I, I haven't really noticed. I mean, you, the, the big problem 
the last game was tackling. I think everybody couldn't really tackle. Uh, but I was going to say about that Key Lawrence. I, so I, I had a take on the Key Lawrence thing. So, yeah, I mean, this is obviously incredibly frustrating. Not for just us, but obviously for Key Lawrence. I mean, he immediately was like, what the heck, man? How did I drop that? Because that's just the way it is. Um, it's just, it's too easy. And it's almost too easy, which is, it's probably why he dropped that pass. And my thing is, I've said this before on the podcast, I think, I'll always give you one. Because when I was in high school, I dropped the easiest interception in the history of football. It was literally a, a, a quarterback just threw it up there. There was nobody around but me. It was the easiest pick ever. I was in the end zone, so it would have been like something where I would have caught it and either tried to take it out or just taken a knee for a touchback. And I literally just dropped it. I just dropped it. And it was embarrassing and it was dumb. And I got lucky that they didn't score on the possession because my teammate picked me up, forced a fumble, and we got a takeaway anyways. And that was great. Uh, I felt really bad about it. But at the same time, though, I was playing high school football, not high-level D1 football. But at the same time, though, I will give you one. But here's why... Like, here's my take on it, though. I, I think stuff like this, like drop picks, it shows a lack of true confidence in your own abilities, I think. Whether it's like you know it or it's subconscious, that was the first time this season, I think, where we've seen Key Lawrence be in a great position to make a play. He did very well on that play. And granted, Thompson threw it up there, but Key did everything right. He got depth. He moved his hips. He went back on the ball. He tracked it perfectly. He was there for the play. He did everything perfectly right. It's one of those things, though. First time we saw him in a spot to make a play like that. First time. If you're constantly putting yourself in positions to make tackles and to make good plays and make competitive plays on the football, then the odds are that you're going to make a lot of those plays and they're going to go your way because you're constantly putting yourself in those situations. But when you infrequently... Find yourself in those spots to make those plays. I think the odds of you making that play, when the opportunity arises, they go down. And that goes that, that's a long way for me to go just to say, catch the freaking ball. And I think the fact that he's not in those positions a lot, because maybe the way he's playing, he's not seeing it. That's why whenever they come up, it's surprising. You're not used to it. And then you drop an easy pick. You These guys need to put themselves in better positions to make these plays. It, it's... They're not, uh, it's, I mean, you can't can't be in better position than that. <laughs> like, right. I mean, that's I mean, I, I know what you mean, though. I know. I had a perfect. Uh, I, I had a perfect view of that from where I was. So I was in one of the corner end zones, and so that play happened in the opposite end zone. But I had a perfect view of it, and when I saw it, when uh, when Thompson released the ball, I put my hands up because I knew that it was going to get picked off. I was like, "Oh my god, he did it! He actually threw that!" And then just you know. The rest is history, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's crazy. I, I just, I don't, it can't get it and watch. I'm sure later in the season, he'll make like some ridiculous like interception where he's got to dive or something. Um, it's, it, it's usually how stuff like that goes. All right. You ready for some three word reviews before we get out of here? Lay them on. All right. Me. We'll go to Twitter first. Travis says feed Mike Woods. I agree. Uh, you said he was open a lot. From your vantage point? <laughs> he was open a lot. All right. Josh says, at Shaq Adams says, welcome back, Brooks. Uh, good, yeah, good to see Brooks get the, the running game going. Uh, oh, and thank you. Uh, Josh is another one. We didn't talk about this at all. Review booth love. So the onside kick thing, which ended up being a, a gigantic 
point in that game. And uh, they got it right. I mean, it was double hit. Uh, it was reviewed first. They didn't check for that. And then yeah, Lincoln Riley gave a lot of credit to the officiating crew and the replay review because he, he was like, listen, I, part of me thought that even though they were going to, they reviewed it a second time, part of me kind of thought that they wouldn't overturn it or change the call because they didn't want to kind of admit that they were wrong the first time. And so Riley gave a lot of credit for, hey, you know, like they, they watched it back. They admitted that they messed it up the first time and they, they made the right call. And he's right about that. So you're, yeah. I gotta tell you, Kansas State fans were really upset about that in the stadium. Um, like even even pretty long after the fact too. They, I mean, uh, even when it when it got into the fourth quarter, like they were still talking about it. People on their phones, like on Twitter, people saying like, "Oh, Mike Pereira said that that shouldn't have been allowed." Blah, 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 blah. They shouldn't have been able to review it a second time. And you know what? The entire time, I didn't have a lot of patience for it. I didn't have a lot of patience for it at all. You know why? Do you remember 2017 Bedlam? 2017 Bedlam. With Trey Brown? With Trey Brown at the end of the game? No. Them reviewing and then adding the targeting penalty that extended the game for oh. Oklahoma State? Do you remember that? Huh. Vaguely, yeah. And what was the what was the what was the little provision in the rule that allowed them to do that? There is a rule that says upon review, if it is an egregious, obvious mis uh, mistake. They can change it whenever they want. There are no rules. They, they can change it. They can get it right if it is egregiously obvious. And all the K-State fans who are on their phones saying, oh, seeing this on Twitter and Twitter, I was in, in the back of my arm and I was in my, in my head I was thinking, ah, I bet like a million dollars that the Big 12 is going to come out on Monday and say it was, the, it was that little rule saying that they can fix an obvious mistake. And what do you know? What did the Big 12 say today? That exact oh, thing. Oh. I, I sorry. I, I don't have the. I don't. I, uh, I don't have the statement in front of me. But yeah, it was. They they released like a statement on it, and it was that. It was that little provision in the rule that that you can fix an obvious error. Actually, I have not seen this yet, and so I just punched it up. So the Big 12's official, uh, Big Twelve officiating coordinator Greg Burke said, "Quote: Once the announcement occurs, the review. Once the announcement occurs, the review of the play is complete, unless late arriving information." shows it was an obvious error. We reviewed the initial aspect of where the ball was touched by the kicker in attempting to recover the kick. The second aspect of the kicker making two separate contacts with the ball was discovered after the announcement was made. By casebook ruling, we corrected the obvious error. So that's what you were referencing, correct, Grant? Yes, that is what I was referencing. I I, I tried to bring it up to some K-State fans. Some of them were kind of confused by that. Um... Hey, I, you know what? I'm just, I have zero patience for other fan bases being mad at reviews. Zero, zero patience. <laughs> I don't care. OU has been on the wrong side of that crap far too many times. Um, and when they, when they actually get it right, just miss me with that crap. Just not, not I have zero patience for it. <laughs> yeah. I think a big part of the, the, the anger and the animosity in the stadium was they could not figure out the right angle. You were looking up at the big screen, and, and kudos to Kansas State. They were trying to figure out where the heck they were reviewing, and they kept showing the kicker touching the ball. They had It's almost like they had no idea they were trying to review the double kick. So I think that was a big part of it because, like, if you're in the crowd and you don't have Twitter and, like, you're just saying, like, you're just seeing that the kicker is uh, within the rules recovering the ball. And you're like, what are they reviewing? This is so obviously Kansas State's football. 
And then finally, at the very end, they were able to find the right angle to show the double kick. And I, that helped a little bit, I think, but still. Did you get to that point in the TV broadcast when you were rewatching? No, no I didn't get there. It's not even, it's, it's so insanely obvious on TV. Like whatever view they had in stadium was not good. It's, you can't miss it on TV. It's very clear. Yeah, and, and so I was listening to the game on OU, uh, Toby Rowland and Teddy Lehman and Chris Plank and Gabe Eichert. I, was, I had them in my ear again for the second game in a row. And it was perfect for that scenario because I, I was texting you like, hey, on, on uh, radio, they're saying this is, this is obvious. This is obviously a, like what you're saying right there, that it was so obvious on TV that he kicked it twice. So that was kind of cool. I, I feel like I had like some inside information that a lot of the fans didn't have when I was listening to the radio broadcast in the stadium. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, here we go. Oklahoma's going to get the football and uh, everything's going to work out. And good on Lincoln Riley and, and, and good on the replay review and the coaches up top for noticing that and saying, hey, let's challenge this again. So, hey, great job, Josh, on uh, – uh, that three-word review to get us to talk about one of the biggest moments in the game that we didn't even want to talk about because we were just talking about offense-defense stuff mainly. And geez, like I mean, they were man. K-State fans were upset about the overturn the on that that fourth down thing too. Um, it was oh, yeah. just like uh, <laughs> ball definitely. Hit that the is ground. like that. Yeah, that 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 review I think took like two minutes. It should have taken fifteen seconds. I mean that's 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 about as clear as it possibly gets. Yeah, I'm a, I'm one for two so far this year on balls hitting the ground where I'm just like certain of it. I thought for sure against Tulane that ball that uh, was scooped up off the ground that ended up being an interception for Rattler. I thought for sure they hit the ground. Like I, I turned my camera off like immediately. Oh, that hit the ground. That's nothing. And then no, he caught it. And the K State one when he you know he caught that ball and I, I didn't turn my camera off this time because I made the mistake the first time, but in my head I thought, okay, that, they hit the ground. That's that's incomplete. And so I felt a little bit better about that one after I saw the replay. And, yes, the ball went through. It was very loose in his hands, and boom, he hit the ground to help the guy get possession. All right, three-word reviews from Twitter. Dan Park says, tackling clinic required. That's a good one. Jacob says, whiteouts blocking improved. I like that one. Uh, and a bonus one from Jacob – Hey, can we talk about the I based on that? Can we, can I go back? I'm I'm really annoyed by by the Marvin Mims block in the back call on that final drive. It was so incorrect. It was so wrong. Um that, I mean that's all I have to say about it. It was just a really terrible call. As was the Tyrese Robinson personal foul too, but we can talk about that. Oh right, yeah, I can't add to the conversation. I didn't get that far in my re- rewatch, so I didn't see it. More three-word views from Twitter. Uh, Jacob has another one. He says, Benito, no RB, no running back. Uh, we didn't talk about Benito's fumble return. Man, he looked slow on that, man. Uh, granted, you're on the field a lot. Like, whatever. I'm sure he's not slow, but uh, <laughs> he was huffing and puffing. And when he was tackled at the end of that, he, like, laid on the ground for a, a few seconds, just sprawled out. Like, all right, well, that, I just ran about 70 yards and still didn't score. That's that's the thing. I I feel bad for him because of course he gets this great opportunity to scoop it up on the run, but then he finds himself like 80 yards from the end zone. He can't. It's like why couldn't this be on like the 35? And it could just be a 30 yard run to the end zone. It's always got to be that long run, and he's able to get caught. But uh, that was a big play. Plays like that are always interesting, right? I mean, that was a play that actually shouldn't have happened. That was a play that should have been about a two or three yard loss in the backfield. Because David Aguebu just had a free run at the running back and just whiffed 
on that play. Um, I I think I think it's just kind of funny how that. Yeah, works you're exactly out. right. I made a note of that. I said Wayboo misses TFL, but it actually was a good thing because then it led to a turnover. Andrew on Twitter, he has a, many three word reviews. Uh, I will pick the last one from you, Andrew. Bring back Stutzman. So I didn't see Danny Stutzman out there. Uh, Delarian Turner Yell. We have. I mean, he didn't play. We've talked about Justin Burroughs a couple times. Uh, hopefully they're back for Texas. Justin Burroughs actually. Outside of the outside of the uh, the first touchdown Kansas State scored, Justin Broyles actually played really well. He 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 had a good game. Uh, yeah, I mean he, I shot him a lot on the field, like through my lens, and I made me think, oh, like is he having a good game? It looks like he's having a pretty good game. Him, uh, him, Billy Bowman, and Shane Witter were the three best players on defense on Saturday. Okay, interesting. I haven't uh, through two quarters and five minutes. I. I don't, I don't see that, <laughs> but uh, we'll see if that changes as I see more of the second half. Let's see. P two three five seven zero says O line still asleep, so he's not excited about the offensive line. I thought they played better. Uh, Jed Castles from News Nine going with the Al Davis just win baby, and also P two three five seven zero. You also have the Al Davis and also the Grant Benson just win baby quote. Let's see. What else? What else? What else? Going through your Twitter ones. Lamont says, rounding into form. And I think for the first time this season, that's an appropriate three-word review, Lamont. I agree. And just think, just think. I actually leaned over. Um, when OU went up 27 to 10, you know, they, they score. They, they, uh, they get the field goal to take the lead at half. Get the ball right away and, and go down and score right away. Maybe their best drive of the entire season. Get a three and out. They go down and score again. I lean over to the, o, the 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 two OU fans next to me, and I'm like, ah, I think I think we may have found them kind of them uh, them sort of finding themselves a little bit, them finding out who they are a little bit here, and then and then boom, and then Kansas State hits the huge the huge pass play because the coaching staff puts them in a terrible position. It's just unacceptable, unacceptable. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's. Hmm. <laughs> All right, Tim says linebackers are disappointing. They're just kind of there, aren't they? I, I mean, I through two quarters and uh, and five minutes, I don't I don't see anybody particularly playing that great. I don't see anybody standing out. Uh, that's got to change, man. They got to get better at that level. And the secondary is not like they're playing awesome either, but they're they're kind of just there as well. Uh, it's it's I mean it's crazy. I, I think. Um... I think Deshaun White is is I, I think has has risen to the top of them and you know he's just kind of he's just sort of there you know I mean but it's but Asamo and Aguebu just make so many mistakes so many uh, I mean it's just it's whereas White's kind of a little more limited physically but uh, it's 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 definitely frustrating I got one more from Twitter and I think it's a good way to to go out from the Twitter ones. At Miles Sumner one says hope from chaos. I like that because I mean it was it was weird after that West Virginia game, and uh, then they play definitely Oklahoma plays its best game against an FBS team. Granted, it got weird at the end. I mean, a kickoff return touchdown. Uh, I mean, they they let him back in the game when they probably shouldn't have. Uh, so it, even though they played the best, game... Uh, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy too. The kickoff return touchdown. I just I. A couple of just egregious holds were missed. And I know, I mean, whatever. I mean, maybe you can say that on basically every kickoff return for a touchdown. But, like, 
it's just it, both of the holds so very obviously sprung knolls where it's just I mean that stuff like that's frustrating. Uh, that's so stupid. All right, yeah, and I didn't see the replay of it. So and also, yeah. hey, also too, uh, you know, I know a lot. You you can't kick the ball out of bounds there. You can, but Kansas State can just choose to 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 tell you to kick again. So you, you can't kick it out of bounds. The best thing to do there is is probably a sky high kick, or or like a, a pooch of some sort. Uh, but yeah, kicking out of bounds was not an option there. Yeah, their kick coverage had been fine all day. So I mean, they probably thought, eh, it'll be good again here in the situation. Uh, and we have the benefit of hindsight, but why? Yeah, why not just do exactly what they did at the end of the second quarter? That little pop up kick where they almost stole a possession. Uh, that seemed to work out really well. And even if Kansas State was like thinking, oh, they might do that again, so what? Just do it. it you're, you're not, the whole, like they the, want you to kick it to Malik. The only Knowles. thing like they want you to kick yeah, it to him. <laughs> the only thing that cannot happen there is they score a touchdown. That's the only thing that you have to prevent. And so, like, that's why, I mean, that's that's why that was frustrating. I mean, do, do something to that regard. But also, I mean, if you're, I, I understand the instinct to just like, ah, just kick it deep. We've, we've been good. Our, our kickoff coverage is good. But I don't know, man. I, I kind of feel like that. It's just like, you're, watch more college football. <laughs> you, you got, you, you got to take every, just like, you know, don't take risks in that situation. Be as safe as humanly possible. Yeah, my thing is Kansas State's the greatest special teams team in college football i mean they have it's it's that's that's true by far by far the most return touchdown since the year 2000 in college football by i mean by like a wide margin they have like over 60 20 something more than the next team it's it's not even close so like what do they want you to do there kick it right to malik Knowles. (laughs) like when you're when you're uh he's going to be you know returning it from like what the 15 or the 20 whatever it was so like you you did exactly what they wanted you to do uh, and then they, I mean, like you said, it, it sounds like they got away with some penalties and stuff, but yeah, it, it seems like they put themselves in a really tough spot there. Uh, let's go to Facebook for your three word reviews. Hunter says, who are they? And then he adds, seriously though, it seems like Oklahoma can't be good on both sides in the same game. It's a good one. True. But I do, what, what I will say is, I, I mean, I think you, pure, you pretty clearly saw an offensive identity start to develop uh, against Kansas state. Um, and I'm t- oh man, those deep passes are there. They are there, and like if it's and just God when when he hits the first one, everyone's gonna be so fired up. And I mean, it's gonna be floodgates. It's gonna be floodgates. I really do believe that. Justin says Rattler shows doubters. And let's see. Also, Justin says offense shows improvement. I don't know why you're putting question marks here, Justin. Be be confident. Don't ask questions. Say these are your three word reviews. I think. I think they're both correct. Rattler did show his doubters, and I think the offense did show improvement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, offense was offense was really good. K-State wasn't getting them off the field. OU had whatever they wanted all game. And it was it was more clear when, when I watched it back on TV. Uh, let's see. Harry was at the game, and he says, Sooners narrow escape. I see your picture here, Harry. Let's see. Michael says, wrap up tackles. Yeah, and then Michael adds, I've never seen so many missed tackles, especially behind the line of scrimmage. Let's see. Trey says, long, boring drive. (laughs) That's pretty pretty good. He he says, uh, because Kansas, the state, is really boring, and also Kansas State had a lot of long, boring drives. (laughs) That's pretty good. Nice job, Trey. Honestly, hey, can I, I, you know, throw a little something in there? Hey, that's the first time I've ever been to Manhattan, and – 
I, I don't know what people are... Manhattan's a pretty cool town. And it's also in a really pretty area. So no I don't, one's, no I one's dogging don't on Manhattan. That. They're just dogging on the entire state of Kansas. I mean, you get to... that That's a tough drive. Oh, yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Sorry about that. Yeah, that... Kansas is not... Because, yeah, I, I had no idea that Manhattan is like in the Flint Hills area, which is beautiful. To- completely beautiful. But, yeah, once you get out of the Flint Hills, Kansas gets... Uh, Gets gets pretty pretty rough pretty quickly. Shane says defense missed Turner Yell. Yeah, I mean Justin Burrell's playing safety back there. That's you know you don't want that for a long period of time. Even though that, as far as what I've saw so far, he played okay. Uh, Chris says onside kick redemption. <laughs> and hey, 2019 in, in Manhattan, you know the onside kick thing didn't go Oklahoma's way, and this one does. That's that's good. Uh, Shane also another one Rattler quieted critics. Uh, TJ says almost got screwed. <laughs> um, Tim, you say out schemed again. I mean, it, I saw it a lot. Uh, the K State's offense, they got Oklahoma's defense. On defense. Lincoln Riley was 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 scheming circles around whoever K State's D coordinator is. I mean, it was dudes were open the entire game. Uh, David, interesting one. He says no more Manhattan. Not the last time they're going to play K State in Manhattan. Maybe that's why I went. Yeah, that's why I went. Figured I'd that's that'd be maybe the last time I I really get the opportunity to go see a game there, or at least OU play there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and the last three word review uh, will go from our aunt. How oh, this is everyone doesn't care. He, she says brothers back together. <laughs> uh, uh yes, we were both at the game. That was good. Um, okay, so Texas is up next. I have not watched Texas play a game this year with the exception of I saw the first quarter of the TCU game last week, and I saw the first quarter of the Tech game the week before. And from what I saw of those two quarters, Casey Thompson looked pretty awesome. <laughs> so when I watch more tape of Texas, I don't know if I'll still have the same thoughts. Uh, I know you have a lot more thoughts on Texas. that You can, you can save it for the podcast, next one, okay? Uh, you, you got some hot Texas Take thoughts. Hot Texas thoughts. Hot hot take. Feel really good. I, f- I feel really good about the game. Feel really good about the game against Texas. So I mean, if people can take that for what it's worth, but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling pretty confident going into uh, going into Dallas. All right. Well, I gotta get going here. Uh, good stuff today. Uh, apologize for the late uh, late release, but uh, travel had us all backed up and whatnot uh on sunday so we couldn't do it but uh, we're getting you kind of a late one here and, and you know i'm sure you've all have gone through all your other post game ou podcasts so this will be kind of a little extra bonus for you uh, you know you, you get it a day later uh any final thoughts grant or was that the last thing you want to say about texas just nib high football rules Indeed, that's it nib high football does rule uh, all right we'll be back later this week for ou texas uh, an ou texas preview so until then for grant i am lee this is west of everest If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.